Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. What's going on? I'll be reading uh, the scripture today. My name is Luke. Um, I'm a resident here at the church. I also help lead worship. And the most I do around here is I'm the stu- student ministry director. So if you have any students, yeah, heck yeah. Um, if you have any students from 6th to 12th grade, I'd love to get to meet you guys and get you guys involved. We have uh, we meet on Sunday afternoons um, or Sunday evenings for a Bible study, except this week we're going to watch the Niners crush the Chiefs. So, you know, y'all, yeah. <laughs> Our pastor's a Niners fan, so I got a $10 bill to say that. No, no um, but I, we'll be reading from uh, Matthew 13, 8 through 9. Uh, It says, still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what it was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. That's the hearing of God's word. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would find us to be fertile ground, Father, that is willing to, to be responsible and sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Father, stir our hearts this morning. Search our hearts, Father God. Reveal the things that you would have us focus on and have us do, Lord, and or even hear the gospel for the first time, Father. Pray that you would be pleased and glorified through all of our thoughts, actions, and deeds this morning. We thank you and praise you all in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, church, you may be seated. Good morning. Hopefully everybody is nice and dry. I will tell you that my name is Andy Balthazer, first and foremost. I'm a member here at the Way Church and also a member of the teaching team. I'm appreciative of our band members and our roadies who move around our microphones. Thank you, sir. I'm also very appreciative of our shepherd, our our pastor, Josh Weatherspoon. Um, and I got, I got a little glimpse of, of being Josh Weatherspoon this morning. Uh, of course, he's in South Carolina at a BMX show. And if you, if you were here last week or if you know anything about Josh, you know he has a huge heart that serves and loves the Lord. And he's a great example to me. I know he's a great example to you guys. But, you know, this morning just, it was another great reminder of how he is such a great leader and just the things that he does for his, his Lord and for this church. I had to bring his truck and uh, hook up the trailer and pull the trailer around. And it didn't go as smoothly as, as we thought it would because I forgot the hitch. The hitch was back at his house. <laughs> so I had to run back there and get it and Rachel's, you know, running out in the rain with me this morning, packing all the boxes and everything. I was like, man, you know, Josh really goes through a lot, you know, this kind of stuff. And then I get back over here with the hitch, and finally Patrick, you know, backs it up because I'm, I'm, I'm a smart man sometimes. And a smart man will tell you that they need to bring people who are smarter around them, who know how to do things, and be willing to hand off and delegate. And that's what I did. I was like, Patrick, we don't have time. I can learn how to do it. It's been so long, but you can do it. And he backed it up within like five minutes. It was, it was quick and easy. But I was realizing, like, if, so if you saw Josh's white truck going down Lauderdale, all crazy driving up on two wheels, going around the curves, <laughs> that was me. That was not Josh Weatherspoon. So I just want to put that out there. But yeah, I, I'm you know Josh and I have you know, known each other for a long time, and I tell you, you know, it's it's refreshing and it's encouraging to me. And I hope, brother, you're out there watching this morning. You can hear this. It's not even Pastor Appreciation Month, but I want to tell you that we love you, and uh, we do appreciate everything that you do. Can you hear me? 
So one of, the, one of the great things about Josh, too, is if, if you were here last Sunday, you got to see it in full force. He is passionate about God's word, and he was just going off on, you know, the, 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 you know we're starting the stories of the parables of Jesus, and last week we were talking about the Pharisees and being all in for Jesus. Now that Jesus has conquered death, he crucified for our sins, covered our sins, putting our faith in him, that sin burden is, is removed. What is our response? Are we all in for Jesus or are we all in for ourselves? Are we a Pharisee? And so that's what we, he was talking about last week, and he was just going through everything with such great passion. And I, I love that with him, and I, I hope I come off the same way as being as passionate and having a heart for you as, as he does. But this week we'll be going through the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower, uh, depending on, on the, the translation that you have. And the sermon title that we'll be covering this week is Fertile Ground Bears Fruit. So if you have your handy-dandy way church notebook, you can write that in there. Uh, we'll be taking some other notes in here as well. But obviously, you know, the parable of the soils, if you're familiar with that, you know that there's other uh, people who have misconstrued this, like some of the prosperity gospels who say, oh, well, the, each of the four different souls represent different points in your life, and you're just not getting blessed because you're hitting these rocks or you hit this thorny patch, and God will bless you, and you will never turn back. You never look back. But that's, we know that's not the truth. So we're going to go through this today. Uh, but I want to also share and put some, some parameters in place. I manage compliance at the company I work for, and it's always good to establish guardrails. So we're going to do a little bit of do's and don'ts this morning. Is that okay? So when we go through these passages, I want the, the Holy Spirit to obviously be the leader and guiding us through discernment, through guiding us through uh, what he has called us to do. Uh, and I don't want us to. So the first don't is don't think about people you think might fit this requirement or fit this description or you think they need to hear this. Because I know we have a tendency to say, oh, yeah, I wish Andy Balthazer was here hearing this. You know, this is what he's been into. He needs to be focusing on God. So, you know, focus on yourself, you know, evaluate yourself as we read through these verses. You know, pray that the Holy Spirit would guide and reveal himself to you. Don't condemn or pass judgment on yourself. You know, Romans 8.1 tells us there is no condemnation for those who are followers of Christ, right? So we want to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And do let the Holy Spirit guide you through this because there is going to be some convicting material. There's convicting verses. Let him guide you through this process uh, depending on your season of life. And most importantly, do pray about the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you and pray for him to open up doors so you can bear fruit, then you will be a, a fertile soil uh, and that you will uh, continue to be obedient to God. And so, like we talked about, Matthew 13, uh, verse 3, you know, 8 through 9 is, is the main passage here. And we talk about a lot in addition to what Josh did last week. So if you were here last week, like I mentioned, Josh went through the Pharisees, the, the divided kingdom part of that, and Matthew 13 picks up right exactly in that same day. So, if, you know, the, one of the great things I like about The Chosen, if, if you all have seen that, it, it gives a good understanding of just how much and how long and how tiring Jesus' days were. I mean, he would be healing people, preaching and parables and doing all these things all day. And this is what he did here in, in Matthew 12 and 13. You know, this is an extension. This is the same day that you see in, in Matthew 13, 1. He went back and he was preaching to the to Pharisees, and then he went into the home, uh, got something to eat, most likely, and then went back out into the boat and started preaching again. So, you know, he was very tired. Some, uh, and and I think you know, this is another good example of how Josh does that too. He's he's always working and putting in a lot of hours, but of course, you know, Jesus is the ultimate example of that. So, 
He starts off in verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. So I'm going to give you a couple of summary points here in, in Cliff Notes, if you're familiar with Cliff Notes. So the seed is the kingdom of God. We hear that in Luke 8, uh, verse 11. The sower, many, most people think it's Christ, could be anyone who is sharing the gospel. The seed is the same for all soils. All the seeds, get, all the soils get the same seed. And the soils are different types of people who hear the word and their reactions. All right, at the end of the sermon, let's go eat next door, Tony Gilman's pan. Shortest sermon in all the way church history, right? See, you thought I wasn't going to do that. But. So those are some summaries. So, yeah, the, the, soul, the, the seed is the kingdom of God. It's the gospel message, right? And so that's what we need to understand here in the different soils. Um, but like I said, the soil represents different heart types, different responses. Uh, are we fertile ground? Are we hardened hearts? Are we, you know, with a stony or thorny ground as well? And so we have to start from the foundation, right? And so we know that through... Adam came sin into this world. We are born with that sinful nature, and our hearts reflect that sinful nature. And we know in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things, anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? And so what is the condition of your heart? How are you bearing fruit? These are the things that we need to contemplate and, and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us this morning. And so we start with the first uh, soil type here and you see Matthew 13 verse 4 as he sowed some fell upon the path and the birds came and devoured them so here we see the first soil the key point here is hardened path equals hardened hearts and so in you know Jesus was one of those you know all he's all-knowing he knew everything about all these men like the Pharisees last week he knew what they were thinking even before they spoke right and so he's all-knowing uh, and one of the great things about this parable is this is one of the very few parables that he actually explains so we're going to read through the first part of Matthew 13 and then read through the explanation of each one so if you skip through Matthew 13 to verse 18 and 19 he explains the the hardened heart uh, soil so listen to the parable of the soil when anyone hears the word about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. So these are the people who their heart is so hard and it's so calloused. They have no desire to hear or understand the gospel or talk about God or even go to church, much less. The evil one or the devil has tricked them, has deceived them or lied to them, and their hearts have become hard and calloused and cold. Uh, even in verse, you know, in verse 15, you see this when Jesus was talking about to the disciples, you know, some will hear this because they have ears to hear. Blessed are you who have ears to hear. Because he said, for this people's heart, in verse 15, has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes. I know that sometimes describes our kids when they don't listen to us, but that describes a lot of people, right? And so you think about it. You know, Paul also described the Ephesians, Ephesians 4, verses 18, the same way. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. And I know there's, there's a lot of hardened hearts in here today, and sometimes you've been in a different season of your life where you've had that hardened heart. And you think about the things of this world, the things that can draw us away from God and our focus on God. You know, sometimes that could be a heart that's full of pride and arrogance, right? You have people who are not willing to even listen or contemplate God or what Jesus did on the cross because they just think it's a good story. He was a good man who was a good teacher thousands of years ago. But we, was he really the son of God? No, I, I can't put my faith and trust in him. I'm my own 
God. I'm going to put my trust in myself. I want to control my life and live it the way I want to do. So you see that pride and arrogance, that creates that hardened heart. And it's not receptive to the, to the, you know, the, the sow, the seed. Some could be belief in animosity. Some have been in a place where they had knew about God or heard about God, but because of something that happened to them or something that they feel God turned his back or did against them, they're very reluctant to hear the word or turn back in, in disbelief uh, or even animosity. You know, you hear people talk about, well, if God was so loving and he was so kind, why does X, Y, and Z happen? Why is there so much death in this world? You know, it's it's animosity relationship. They they think that God is causing all this stuff when it's really what? It's our sinful nature and decisions, right? And so you have that hardened heart or that disbelief against God from that. And then finally, sometimes it's even unbelief. These are the agnostics, the, the atheists, the people who are just uh, completely in the opposite direction in, in disbelief um, or unbelief, really, against God. So their hearts are hard, so hardened. You know, again, it might have been something that happened in their life, but they have no intention, they have no desire to hear the gospel, much less even have a relationship with God or, or go to church. So the description here is the, is the hardened soil is so compact, it's so hard, that the seed has no chance to even penetrate it, doesn't even rest on it before the birds, which represents the evil ones, come and snatch it away. So again, you know, the things of this world, the things that the devil throws at us, the, you know, the temptations, all of that gets taken away, and that hardened soil, that hardened heart, never hears the word of God and accepts it and believes it. So you know, again, that's, that's you know, one of the, the worst soils here that we see, because that hardened heart really shapes their response or lack of response to the gospel. So these people choose fear instead of faith. And so we're going to move to the next one in, in verse 7 in Matthew. So this is the thorny soil. So verse 7 says, Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it deep. In verse 6, But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. So the key point for this soil is thorns are interferences of this world. And yes, I might have used interference because it's Super Bowl Sunday. But then if you think about it, you know, distractions, and you know, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, they really do more than just distract. They do interfere with our life, right? And so you think about it from that perspective. When the ref calls an interference call or play, that's because someone has physically pulled. They've knocked them off the course if it's beyond or a certain you know, distance within the line of scrimmage. If it's outside of the line of scrimmage, they're physically pulling them. If you think about the temptations, the things of this world, that's how it actually starts, right? It's something that starts in our mind, it knocks us off our path, and then we get pulled, even physically sometimes, in the wrong direction. And so these are the people who hear the word. Well, let's go to verse 22 first. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns. This is one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the world, word, and it becomes unfruitful. So they hear the word, they call themselves Christians. They may or may not have a profession of faith, but they fall away because of the things of this world. And, and so they, um, they talk about different things that impact their relationship uh, with others. And sometimes they, they hear the word. And, and I grew up in the, the 80s, went back into black and white days for y'all young folks. Um, and there was a lot of evangelism uh, you know, that took place at the time. And, and I say easy evangelism because when we were in church and we were in vacation Bible school, it was always one of, you know, if you want to accept the Lord, then say this prayer. 
or you know, repeat after me if you want to be saved. And it wasn't a relationship. It wasn't a decision. It wasn't putting your complete faith and trust in Christ. And I think about how many people back then had done that prayer thinking that they were truly saved but not really put their faith and trust in Jesus. And I was one of those. Uh, I can't remember how many times I said the sinner's prayer over and over and over again, and nothing changed in my life. There wasn't repentance. There wasn't a change in how I acted. I was still the same bratty kid because I was eight when I did it. And mom's laughing because she knows it's true. You know, when you see lack of repentance, when you see lack of fruit and things like that, that's when, you know, things need to, you know, you need to start considering things. And I, I knew it at the time. And I'll talk more about my testimony later. But others, you know, that have grown up my age or even older from that period, and even in the 70s, there was a lot of, a lot of the same stuff. Um, you know, you see people who are in churches, they call themselves Christians, but the first thing that comes away uh, chokes them out and they fall away. Uh, and that's that thorny soul you see here. And I've been on mission trips. I've been on other things where some of that stuff, you know, still happened. And I had to really pull people to the side and say, look, this isn't about, you know, saying a prayer. This is about you having that personal and right relationship with Jesus, putting your faith and trust in him and, and walking them through that process because it's very important that they understand that. And so, you know, the distractions, the, the interferences of this world can be a number of different things. There's never a shortage of these um, you know, these distractions, these interferences. Obviously, in, in the U.S., we live in a wealthy country. There's a lot of opportunity for wealth. And, and this is one of the deceitfulness that you see in verse 22. The deceitfulness of wealth choked the word. So people are consumed with either getting some money, they're consumed with getting more money, or considered, you know, or, or so, you know, on focus for getting more money than others and showing it off, right? And so pride takes center stage again. Self, they tend to glorify themselves instead of glorifying their creator, their Christ, their Lord, right? Uh, deception, because money doesn't bring happiness. Yeah, we can use money for a lot of good things, but a lot of the times we make it selfish things and not things that glorify the Lord, right? And so it's important for us to understand those, those differences. And then the, the, the next one is, yeah, I think this is like one of those foundational things that people get, get so caught up in a and it's themselves, right? We're so selfish. We were born into this world with that selfish, that self-centered notion. And we will do anything uh, in, in, in order to make ourselves look better, have more money, and that love of self. We want things when we want it. So we rationalize, right? If you ever heard, you know, Tiger Woods talk about his, his debacle with his wife and his first wife and, and what that, that led to, you will hear him rationalize his decision to sleep with those other women to cheat on his wife because he felt he was entitled. So his rationalizing was, I have won all these tournaments. I've won all this money. I'm one of the best golfers in the world. I'm entitled to sleep with these other women and that cheat on my wife. And so that rationalization, that feeling of entitlement leads to different types of addictions. Sometimes it could be like that, you know, you know, infidelity, sometimes it could be like the usual suspects, you know, drugs, alcohol, porn, uh, gambling, which is huge now. You know, everything, uh, you know, from a social media perspective is throwing gambling in our face. But it really goes back to that pride, that love of oneself. And we're so vain and we focus on the vanity things. Uh, it's, I tell you, when you speaking about the football and the, the NFL again, you know, it's so refreshing for me to see 
like C.J. Stroud or, or one of the Christians who are professing followers of Christ to get up and say, you know, this wasn't me. This was all about my Savior, Jesus Christ. It's so refreshing to see that because it goes against every other thing that we see in this world that's focused on our van, our vanity, and, uh, and, and just vain in general because we want what we want and nobody's going to tell us no, right? So that leads to those addictions. It leads to those lives of sin and, again, falling away from Christ. And, and the other one is just worries and anxiety. You see this, you see this in the verse, the worries of this age. So Greek word for worries is actually distractions, right? So that causes anxiety. And you think about anything that causes anxiety. It could be hobbies or sports schedules for your kids. I've talked to a lot of my friends who are always stressed out and always focused and always spend so much time on their on the, the kids' sports schedules, and or they focus on, on different things in social media and get so wrapped up going down rabbit holes on social media and looking at things that they shouldn't be looking at or, or posting about different things, and it causes them to, to worry, to, to be anxious for things, and that's not what God calls us to do. So it's important for us to understand these distractions of this world, again, because it, it can lead to falling away or not even being a true Christian. And, of course, I just realized that I skipped over rocky ground, so <laughs> I'm going to go back and, and hit that one as well. Um, so verse 5 and 6, so other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. So the key point for this soil is the rocky ground prevents roots, uh, and Jesus explains it further in verse 20 and 21. And the one sown around rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root and it's short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. So here in Matthew, you see the persecution comes from the word or it could come from the word. And in the Luke accounts and the Mark accounts, it's you know, things of this world um, that or the temptations or the persecutions of this world. So again... Almost a similar response. This is even a better response than the previous one, where people hear, they receive the word, they even receive it with joy, even. You see that used here. They call themselves Christians, but again, they fall away when, when testing or persecution comes. And this, you know, this is a this is a, a, a one that you know resonates with me a lot because you know you think about different things, and this was the this you know, if I had to find, you know, which soil I was most of the time it was probably this one because you know, I was a preacher's kid. You know, I was raised in the church. I didn't have a whole lot of fruit because I wasn't saved, obviously. But at least I had made an effort, right? I spoke Christianese better than anybody else because uh, preacher's kids have switches. You know, we could turn it on and off like nobody's business. Um, but you think about the things that, you know, of this world, you know, the trials, the persecutions that people go through that, you know, really make a huge difference on their life. And sometimes their life will never be the same because they don't know Christ. And I was one of those people. Uh, and this could be the loss of a loved one, right? You think about grief um, and how it impacts and how it really has not only immediate effect because you're so numb in the first few days after you've lost that loved one, you don't even know what's going on or what to do. You're still trying to understand and process that loss. Um, and so... This can be paralyzing for people. I've known people recently who've gone through it. People will continue to go through it. And it's one of those things that, honestly, as a church, I don't think we, we don't talk about enough because the only person that can deliver us from that grief is Jesus, right? I was so burdened by grief of my father's accident that I, because I knew I wouldn't get to see him again because I was unsaved. If I had been in that car with him when he was killed, I would have gone straight to hell without a doubt, and that was scary for me. 
And, I find, and it took that to, for me to realize God used that to draw me to himself and deliver me from that grief. But I was a lucky one. I, a lot of people deal with grief in different ways. They turn to alcohol. They turn to drugs. They turn to all these different things to try to make up for that loss, and they'll never be the same. And, or they'll, they'll get that animosity towards God. Well, why, God, why did God, why did you take my dad? You know, he was a pastor. Why, why did you take him from us? You know, he led your church. Why are you going to take him from your church? You know, you think about things like that, and people start questioning God. This could be divorce or separation or loss of a relationship, right? And so you think about people who have gone through a divorce or separated, and, you know, they have, uh, you know, that animosity towards God. They blame God. They blame themselves. They, their heart becomes hardened even after that, but they turn away. They fall away from God because Divorce rates in the church are slightly higher than they are in the, in the secular world. And that's because even the, you know, the Christians that feel or call themselves Christians may not even be Christians, number one. And number two, they don't know how to process and love one another in a biblical marriage like they should. Uh, and, and again, that's something that the church, we need to focus on and make sure that people who are going through this, people who have lost a relationship or lost a loved one, have that discipleship. They have that understanding and that ability to reach out to others and learn from others. Uh, and that's why we feel so passionate about discipleship programs here. Or, the, or you know, something else that trials or tribulations of this world could be a loss of a job, right? A huge financial situation that changes or a lifestyle change because of your job loss. They blame God. They they can't process the loss of that job or the loss of finances, so they blame God. They turn away from God. They fall away. And I've seen many of my friends, uh, either from work or from school, you know, we grew up in Goochland, who, you know, made a profession of faith like this. They were on fire. And, hey, Andy, did you see this, this uh, you know, this announcement on, on Facebook? I, I gave my life to Christ. I was like, that's great. I'll be praying for you. You know, can we get together and pray together and talk about, you know, the process and stuff? And then, Years go by, and I see them completely in a different course of, of their life, and it's just, you know, they fell away. Something came up, and something came through. They lost somebody. They went through a divorce or separation, and they completely turned their back against God. And so, again, it's just one of these things that we have to make sure that, you know, we are looking at these types of trials, these tribulations. We're looking at you know, the person who can take us and deliver us from this, and that's Jesus, right? And so when you think about the rocky soil, you know, these are people who, they, they just fall away. Instead of focusing on Jesus, they choose fear instead of faith. And so, again, we need to make sure that we understand this and even challenge ourselves uh, to those around us as well. Uh, and then the last fertile group, fertile soil, still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit, some 100, some 60, and some 30 times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. So the point of this one, and like the sermon title, is fertile ground bears fruit. So do we have that fertile heart? In verse 23, he explains it. But the one sown on the good ground, the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce food, fruit and yield some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. So these are the true followers of Christ. These are ones who have roots firmly established and are yielding fruit at various levels. And again, we'll talk about the, the various levels. But Josh always does a good job of this too when we think about, well, how do you do that? You know, are you going to be all in for Jesus? Or are you going to give all of your effort uh, to following him? And in Matthew twenty two thirty seven tells us, just like Deuteronomy 6, 5, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Every essence of your being is focused 
on Christ. If you're not with him, you're against him, like Josh did last week, right? And so if you're, if you're in here now and you're a follower of Christ and you've given your faith and you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you're asking yourself, well, what's the difference between 100 fruit and 30 fruit? Why am I not producing more fruit or, or as much as fruit as, as this guy or this person? And number one, we're not supposed to compare ourselves, right? You know, God has given us each gifts of, of varying degrees according to his grace and mercy, and that's what the word tells us. But maybe you have given your life to Christ, number one. Maybe two, maybe you haven't, maybe you've been distracted by the devil in some of these things that I've been discussing and talking about. Maybe you gave your life to Christ and you were on fire, you've been producing fruit, but then you lost your mom, or maybe you lost your job, or maybe you're going through a divorce, and that has, you know, lessened your harvest and your crop and your fruit, right? So again, the focus is to, to be on Christ, to recalibrate and refocus that attention. If you're being tempted in trials and you're a follower of Christ or you know, some you know, other person is giving you affection or attention and, and they're steering you away, they're tempting you away, we need to recalibrate and remember, no, this is not all about us. This is only about Jesus, right? And so you know, we have to combat this, this thought and this mentality by dying to self. We need to be humble, right? So if you think about different points of, of learning to bear more fruit, you know, we have to die to self, right? We can't follow Christ if we are our own Lord of our life. We have to follow him as Lord and Savior of our life. So it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. So the shift must be from, you know, what do I want to do today? Or what's my will to, Lord, what's your will? What would you want me to do? Dying to self and making everything about Jesus completely. Uh, and that's humility, you know, lowering yourself for the better of, of needs of others and being obedient, you know, seeking God through his word, staying sensitive to his Holy Spirit. We talk about this a lot because, you know, we can have the best intentions and in doing things around church, but, you know, the Holy Spirit is calling us in different ways or, we're, you know, he's calling us to do this and we want to do it because we want to stay in control and it's our plan or it's our uh, recognition instead of giving him the glory and being obedient to what he calls us. And again, you know, staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit can look a lot different for different people with different spiritual groups because that's the fruit, right? The fruits of the Spirit, patience, love, hope, joy, um, self-control. I'm forgetting a few. But these are the, that's the fruit of the Spirit that we, when I give our life to Christ, he desires for us to do those things and to be obedient and to do as he calls us. And like I said, that could be, you know, leading a D group here. It could be having a community group at your house. It could be going to Southeast Asia. I know we have a lot of missionaries in the house today, so that's great because they have been called and they're staying obedient to that calling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. So the, our prayer life should reflect that. Lord, just use me. Be the yes man. I, I love Nike's logo. I, you know, I don't believe in everything that they do, but Nike has their phrase. It's been around forever. It says, just do it. That's what I want to be, and that's how I want us to think about when you think about the Holy Spirit calling you. Even if you feel uncomfortable, even though you feel like you might be ridiculed, you might be making fun of, just do it. God has called you. He will glorify himself through you no matter how we get in the way, right? So be obedient to his calling. And then prayer meditation, praying for God's will in your life, like I just mentioned, meditating on his word, fasting for clarity. We talked about fasting a couple of you know, sermons ago. I actually did it in my last sermon too. Fasting removes all the distractions of this world. We were actually just talking about it last week um, in community group. You know, being able to fast and meditate at the same time is just one of those things that, you know, if you haven't experienced it, I encourage you to do it. Um, 
you know, and talk to me if you have if you have more questions about it. But you're 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 eliminating food for a period of time, and you're focused on nothing but God and God's Word, and you're meditating and you're praying through for guidance. And it's blessed me in a number of different things in different ways, and I encourage you to use it as well. And again. You know, that's how our fertile soil becomes even more fertile and how we produce more fruit by being humble, being um, obedient in prayer and, 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 and meditation as well. So these people, the fertile ground, are people who choose faith in Jesus over everything in this world. So those are the, the true followers of Christ. And so we, we know and we see this, and we want to make sure that you know, our fertile ground is as fertile as it could be. Are we leveraging and utilizing the talents, the gifts that God has given us, the resources that God has given us, whether it's our money, whether it's our, our speaking talents, maybe it's the fruit of the spirits. Are we using those as God has called us to do? Um, you know, I was looking through Jeremiah, you know, because Jeremiah 17 is a great passage. It's a great book of the Bible. Uh, a lot of good stuff in there, and that's where we get the, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it, right? Uh, another verse in Jeremiah 17 before that, talks about verses verse 6 and 7. 6 is a, is a curse against people who put their trust in themselves. They fall away from God. They live in a desert where no one lives and it's uninhabitable. But verse 7 says this, The person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord, is blessed. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots outward toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes, and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in year of drought, or cease producing fruit. So again, if we have our roots and our faith and our trust completely rooted in Christ, then we don't have to worry about the heat of this world, the trials, the tribulations, or the drought. When the when you know when those years when when things happen, nothing should produce. You know, nothing should you know limit us from producing fruit because of our firm faith in Jesus. So the parent, the, you think about the the different soils, and I went through them pretty quickly, and I and you know. Three of the soils don't produce fruit. They don't produce life. And so we know that those are not true followers of Christ. And so if you think about that, that really should burden our hearts for evangelism, for doing mission work, for even evangelizing around the short pump area. Because we know not everybody's going to be respect, receptive to the gospel. But that shouldn't, that shouldn't change our mindset on it. We need to make sure that you know, we are constantly you know, sharing our testimony, sharing others with Christ. Because Matthew 7 uh, verse 13 and 14 tells us this, that enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and the road that leads to destruction, and many will find it. But narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few will find it. So, you know, we know through this and, and through the parable itself that not many are, are going to be accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, uh, or there's going to be some distraction in their life that takes them their focus away from it, even if they are a follower of Christ. And this is where, you know, if, you're, if you've given your life to Christ and you have made that profession of faith and you're yielding some fruit but not, not as much fruit as you thought you could or maybe you, you think you can, then pray about it. You know, go to the Lord. You know, how can I be a better servant? How can I be more obedient? And ask the Holy Spirit to open up doors of opportunity that you can walk through, that you can do more things in. Um, and, you know, and if you haven't given your life to Christ, and you might, your, your testimony, your background might sound a lot like mine, where you're just playing, going through the motions, you're a, a seat in the church pew, and maybe even counted as a conversion, but not a true follower of Christ. You never gave your life to Christ. I did that for most of my life. It wasn't until 2009 where that grief that I was talking about earlier was so heavy on my shoulders, I realized that no matter how prideful I was, no matter how much I wanted to be in control, 
I could not escape the fact and get over the, the loss of my dad. And I finally told, I was like, Jesus, you have to take this burn from me. I, I realized that you are my Lord and Savior. I cannot do it without you. And it wasn't before I fully surrendered my life uh, and, and had that change of heart, that repentance of heart that I knew that I was saved. I knew that I would see my dad again because, you know, he was in heaven. Uh, and, you know, the good thing about this parable is God's desire is for all of us to have that relationship with him. I was a bad kid. I was a bad grown-up. I did whatever I wanted. I was selfish. I lived a prideful life. But yet he still pursued me. He still loved me. And he desires to have that relationship with everybody. And I, I realized this after I was doing my sermon notes yesterday. But the order of the thorny soil was actually what I went through. And I didn't mean to do it. Loss of a love with my dad. Kim and I were separated for over a year and a half. And I lost my job all within five years. But that didn't distract me. That actually was God was using to pull me and draw me to himself. Amen. So even through the trials and tribulations like that, he's using that. He loves you. He pursues you. And that's the good thing about this, this, um, this parable is that the sower sows seeds to the whole field, right? All types of soil get it. So his desire is for everyone to be saved. He wants and desires to have that personal relationship with everything or with everybody, but not everybody's going to accept it. And my question for you is how have you accepted it? How are you responding? Because God desires to have that personal relationship with, with all people. And Jesus, again, proclaims his, his deity and, and son of God and how he has conquered the world in John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that, you, that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. So even after you give your life to Christ, you know, there's still going to be trials and temptations of this world, but we, our faith, our trust in Jesus, he sustains us. He is the sustainer. He created this world. He spoke it into being. John 1 tells us that. Hebrews 1 tells us that. And he sat down at the right hand of God as he was, after he was ascended. So be courageous. Our, our, we don't have fear in Jesus. We have faith in Jesus because he will sustain us. And if you had never have given your life to Christ or, you know, some of these descriptions, you know, are, are you know, resonate with you um, or it's something that you're going through now. You know, grief is an ongoing thing. You know, you might be going through a divorce or having problems in your marriage and you realize that you can't do it on your own. You have to turn to Christ for that because Jesus was the only one who lived a perfect life. I certainly fell short. Everybody in this room certainly falls short. Only Christ lived that perfect life to be slaughtered as the perfect lamb to take away the sins of many because we couldn't. We didn't deserve for him to do that, but he did it anyway because of his great love for us. And so if you've never given your life to Christ, we invite you to, to speak with us and talk with us about that. You know, we're gonna, as I invite the, the worship team back up, we're going to be uh, just closing out the service and just contemplating and thinking through if you're a follower of Christ, why am I not producing much more fruit? What can I do to provide more fruit? And being obedient, being humble to the word. If you haven't given your life to Christ and you know the truth, you've heard the truth all your life, but you just want to remain in control, but now you realize the time that I can't do it on my own. It's only through Jesus that I have salvation. We encourage you to uh, you know, respond and act accordingly. We'll have a prayer team over to the side. If you want to pray and 
just sing and worship in your seat, you know, that's a, a good response as well. So feel free to do that. Or even just pray as you feel and as you need at, the, at your seat. You know, just let the Holy Spirit guide and continue to lead you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that you would guide us and lead us, Father, to what you have called us to be and, and do, Father. Help us to be obedient and humble followers of Christ, Lord. Lord, I praise you for the, the unbelievers too, here too, Lord, Father, that, they would, that you would draw them to yourself, Father, that they would understand their need for a Savior, that nothing from this world would block, distract, or, or move them from your grace, Father God. And we know that you love us all and you desire to have that relationship with them, Father. And I praise you and ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.